morning, everybody. Welcome to Christian Fellowship. Thank you for being here. If you're a guest with us, thank you for choosing to worship with us. Kids, you are dismissed up to Grace Place. Go have fun. We love you. We'll miss you. Enjoy yourselves. Uh, thank you all for uh, being here again with us this morning. If you are guest with us, my name is Tim. I'm the pastor here at Seattle. Uh, and it is a joy and honor to worship with you. A um, couple of announcements before we get going. Really, uh, just a big announcement is our community groups. Uh, our community groups is where all of the things about this church, about the community of this church, come together. It's what we call community groups. It is about prayer, it's about study, it's about fellowship, it's about service, it's about all these things coming together uh, in a place and a way for us to be able to connect and encourage one another to grow uh, in our walks with Christ. And so we have groups running Tuesday afternoons, uh, Wednesday evening, Thursday evening, Friday evening, Saturday morning, groups all throughout the week. A couple of them meet in this neighborhood, uh, a couple of them meet in this building, a couple of them are on the northwest side. So if you have not yet plugged into a group, you got time. Um, you have. You still can jump in. We'd love for you to plug in, even if it's just one a one-off, even if it's just one random Tuesday or Thursday or whatever uh, that you have free. We'd love for you to get connected and plugged in. There's information uh, on the back table as well as on our website. So we'd love for you to get connected to our community groups um, as they are continuing to run. So uh, I'd like to thank as we get started all of our uh, Grace Place volunteers. Uh, Grace Place is important and vital and so uh, impactful. I know uh, myself and other members of our church who are um, byproducts of youth culture, of youth ministry, of uh, Sunday schools, of things like Grace Place. And we are who we are and we walk and have gotten to walk with the Lord for as long as we have because of vested people who have loved and cared and served um, in that ministry. And so um, I think a bunch of our people are upstairs because they're sitting right now. Um, but for everybody who is involved in that industry, thank you so much, especially uh, as a dad, thank you for loving and caring for our kids. Um, it is a fun and engaging place to be. It is an important uh, ministry to be involved in. It's one of those things where it's like, well, you know, it's easy to think about that ministry and think about Grace Place and say, well, really, what, like, what's the point, right? The point is you are impacting, you are Revealing who God is to, uh, to to little kids in the hopes that God would save them at an early age so that they could walk with the Lord for years and years and decades and decades. You have the opportunity to impact their lives here and now and even impact and be part of what God's doing for their eternity. Um, and, it's, and it's fun and good and the kids of this church are wonderful and precious and full of so, so, so much energy. Um, and so if you are involved at all in finding out more about that ministry, about getting plugged in and connected, we are always uh, looking for more people to jump in and, and be part of that ministry. So if that's something that interests you, um, please down to the connect cards and around your seat, you can circle Grace Place, and then Amy will get connected with you uh, about talking about what does that look like to maybe take a step in pursuing that. Um, there is training and background checks and all of those things that go along with that, but it is uh, a worthwhile, wonderful experience. So again, everybody who serves in that ministry, thank you very much uh, for loving and serving our church. Uh, Alright, so we are going to be in Ephesians 5 this morning. So if you have Bibles, you can open up to Ephesians 5. If you didn't have one with you, there should be one. You probably had to move one to sit down, so uh, everybody should have a Bible in front of them. So Ephesians 5 is where we're going to be. Galatians? Um, no, Galatians. I wrote Ephesians. <laughs> That's why I said it. It's Galatians. I'll just make a note. Let's hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> Galatians 5. I'm glad somebody is paying attention. That's good. 
Um, I told you, let's be, I don't listen when I talk. You guys have to listen. Uh, Galatians 5, we're going to be in the middle of our revolution, so it's going to really tell me. Uh, if you ask people randomly on the street, what is the one word that defines Christianity? What do you think they'd say? What kind of answers do you think you would get? Now, obviously, it would depend on their background, their current situation, where they come from, do they have a church background at all? But how many of those people do you think would use the word freedom? My guess is I, I don't think a lot. I don't think many people, especially outside of the church, equate Christianity with freedom, but rather with rules and restrictions and about Christianity and church, that's the thing that keeps us from truly having fun. It keeps us from being ourselves. Would freedom be on the list? If I asked you this morning, would, would the first thing that popped into your mind if I said, what is the one word that defines Christianity, would it be freedom? I don't know if that's the case. It's not necessarily a bad thing, because I'm sure, especially if you have a church background, it would be things like grace, or forgiveness, or mercy, or, or things of that nature. All good answers. But what Paul has been saying throughout this letter, if he hadn't been with us, what Paul has been saying for these last four chapters over and over again is that Christianity is freedom. That's what Paul has been preaching throughout this letter, is that life in Christ is freedom. Now we've read and studied as Paul has gone about appealing to the Galatians in every which way he can for them to avoid walking into legalism, avoid pursuing that kind of life. He's shared his own story, shared his life with them. He's taken them to Scripture. He's used logic and reasoning over and over. His heart and message has been, in Christ there is freedom. If you've been with us throughout this series, especially in the last fall, before we took a break for, for Advent, um, it probably felt at times like I was preaching the same message over and over again. And, and it kind of did. Because Paul's message has been the same over and over. He's been driving this idea into our brains over and over again. He's done it with, and in doing it, he's even had to change his tone, and, and he's had to change the way he's addressed them. He said things like, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? He's been soft with them. He's been kind. He's been harsh and direct. He's been confused by their own decisions. He's been very straightforward. He's, he's changed his tone a bunch of times. And even today, as we read the passage, I want you, as we look at the verses this morning, I want you to pay attention to the word choices Paul uses. Because he says things like, stand firm. He says, I testify. It's a, it's a legal term. It's, I declare. I call. I'm telling you this. I'm instructing you in this. I declare to every man, he reiterates. He says things like, who's hindering you? Who's cutting you off from the truth? And then he talks about that party that has been uh, opposing him, these false leaders, these false, uh, these false teachers, in which he says to them, I wish they would castrate themselves. And there's not like a fun Greek, like, oh, that's a euphemism. No, no, that's just Paul saying something really harsh. The seriousness, the importance, the timeliness, the importance of the time in which these people need to respond to this message shines through in Paul's language. The decision of whether or not they are following Christ alone or they are pursuing the works of the law is not something to decide on tomorrow or later on. It is not something to fix once you've learned the more, once you've experienced enough church, but rather it's a here and now it's got to be dealt with. And so as we study this, as we hear from Paul this morning, we do and we, we get a little bit of application as he's 
talked about what does it look like? What is, is he's talking about freedom in Christ and what that means. Today we get a little bit of application of this is what that means. This is what this freedom can lead to. So uh, it's, a, it's a very intense passage this morning. I'm excited uh, to be with you guys this morning. And what's cool is that the live stream is down, so I can say whatever I want. It doesn't leave this room. Um, all right, so let's uh, pray, and then we, uh, we can jump in and get to work. Uh, so please bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. God, we pray for, uh, we pray for Christ Christ, we pray for the kids of this church, Lord, thank you for um, bringing families to be part of this church, for making families within this church. Lord, we thank you for the leaders who love and serve the kids of this church. I pray that this morning that they would know you, that they would be wrapped up in knowing that you, who you are and that you love them. And that they find safety and comfort and joy in knowing that God knows them and loves them. God, we pray and thank you for the leaders who love and serve the kids of our church. God, we pray as we continue to walk through a pandemic, we pray that you would move, that you would heal, that you would eliminate this situation, that you would eliminate it. That you would do something that only you can do. God, we pray for those who are suffering in this season, who are hurting, who are struggling, those who are in need of health and need of comfort, both spiritually and physically. God, even as we walk through this pandemic, it doesn't change that real life is still happening. Relationships are still struggling. People are still losing jobs. People are still getting sick. People are still dealing with the snow and ice and, and housing and, and all of these different things. God, we ask that you would move, that you would make yourself known, that you would make yourself seen, that you would work in ways that only you can work so that people might come to know you and see you and trust you. God, I pray for our community, that you would strengthen us, that you would bind us together, that you would encourage us to pursue one another, to, to be united together, to be the body of Christ that you have called us to be, that you invited us to be. God, as we open your word this morning, you have a message for us. You have something for us to hear. And so regardless of what our backgrounds are, regardless of what kind of week, what kind of day we're having, you have a reason for us being here this morning. So I ask that you would help us to stay attentive, that you would help us to uh, engage and focus on you. Lord, as I preach, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be glorified to you. We pray all of these things because of Jesus and his name. Amen. Alright, we're going to be in Galatians uh, chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 1. We're going to take this a little by little. I know usually I read a big chunk and go back. We're actually going to break this up a little bit. Uh, so we're going to start in verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. We're going to stop there. For freedom, Christ has set you free. If you read commentaries on Galatians, uh, most of them will say this is the, the key verse. This is the verse. This is Part of the reason why we call this series Freedom in Christ. For freedom, Christ has set you free. Freedom is both the means and the end goal of the Christian life. Everything about the gospel is about freedom. Here at CF, when we talk about salvation, when we talk about uh, putting our faith in Christ, we talk about it, we say that when you are saved, you are saved from the wrath of God, you are saved from hell to be a blessing to others. 
It's not just a for later thing. It's not just a, a little later on, I'll worry about it on my deathbed, I'll worry about it later on. But our salvation, our relationship with Christ affects us here and now. We are saved from the wrath of God to be a blessing for others. Salvation is not just for later, but for now. And that's what Paul is saying here. He says, you were set free. You are free from the lifeless, soul-sucking, self-indulgent pursuit of your works-based justification of trying to earn and win and win and fight your way to God. You are free from trying to earn, trying to win, trying to measure up to this impossible standard that you can never actually meet. You're free to live. You're free to rest. Free to obey, free to fail, because inevitably we will fail at living, at resting, at obeying, at pursuing God. But when, not if, but when that happens, there is grace to be had. We have been made free from the condemnation of our sin. But this freedom, Paul says, is conditional. He says, you are made free, so be free and stand firm in that freedom. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Stand firm in what you know, in who you know, in the gospel, in truth, in Christ. Do not waver, do not lose heart, do not put yourself back under the yoke of slavery. Paul is speaking to, I think, a, a very real aspect and something I think a lot of us can maybe connect to. Right? You become a Christian, maybe for the first time, or maybe you, you rededicate yourself to Christ. You realize, you know what, I, I kind of put my, my faith, I put my relationship with God on the back burner, but now, now it's time to get serious. Now I, I'm going forward, I'm pursuing Christ. And you're on fire for Him, and you're, and you're loving Him, you're showing up to church, you're engaging in community groups. You're opening your Bible, you're praying, you're doing all the things that you're supposed to be doing, and you're feeling good, you feel connected to the Lord, and things are good, and you're leaving behind the stuff of what, what I, who I was before Christ, you're leaving behind all those things that, you know, as Hebrew says, those sins that so easily entangle us, you're letting go of those things. You're free, free to be under grace, you're free to enjoy God, things are good, and then tragedy hits. Hardships hit. A global pandemic shakes every aspect of our society and makes us question and rethink everything. And now there's uncertainty. Now there's fear. And there's doubt. We start looking for stability. We start looking for something to hang on to. Looking for something that just, so we don't feel so out of control, like I can do something. And we start to romanticize. We start to idolize the idols in our lives. Because at least there was some comfort. There was some control there, even if it was only temporary. And what we do is we think about, oh man, what it was like before, what it was like when I, when I had those things in my life, and we ignore the guilt and shame that was tied to those things. And we, so then we leave our freedom in Christ to put ourselves back under a yoke of slavery to our idols, believing this time we're in control. This time I can control this sin in my life. This time I can control this thing. I'm in control. But we never are. And the most mind-boggling thing, the reason Paul has flat out stated how confused he is by the Galatians is because they know that. In the biblical, we talked about this word knowing. Knowing is not just information that you know, but it's experience. An experience that you've had. They had experience with this. Look at verse 1 again. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit. What's that next word? Again. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Meaning, they've already come out of it. 
Most of the Galatian church were Gentiles, meaning they had little to no background in religious worship. And if they did, it was tied to sex, money, self-mutilation, sometimes even child sacrifice. It was twisted and demonic and evil. It was oppressive. And they had come out of that. They knew what it was like. They knew how ugly it was. That's part of why they left. We know better. We know the sin that so easily entangles us. Just as Christians have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, we have also tasted and seen just how wicked and evil our hearts can be, don't we? We know. We know the passions and desires of our flesh, and we have far too often experienced the consequences and damning results of pursuing those desires and passions. See, no matter how sweet in the moment that person, that thing, that relationship, that action, that desire, no matter how sweet it might feel in the moment, it always comes with a bitter taste of regret and shame and guilt and an isolating loneliness that alienates us from ever truly knowing someone or being known ourselves. For freedom, Christ has set you free. So put yourself back under the yoke of slavery. Christian, Christ has broken those chains. Don't go trying to solder them back together. That's what the Galatians were doing by pursuing this works righteousness, by putting themselves under the law. Right? We talked about under the law, meaning not someone who just obeys the law, but someone who tries to find their justification, their right standing with God by working towards it, by putting themselves under the law, saying, I can do all the things on the checklist, and if I check them all off, then God has to let me in. That's being under the law. And that will fail you every time. Let's keep reading. Let's go to verse 2. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. Paul has said a similar thing earlier in chapter 3 when he was quoting Deuteronomy 27. He said in, Deut in Deuteronomy 27 24, it says, Cursed be anyone who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them. Basically, what he's saying is that if you're going to put yourself under the law, if you're going to take on this circumcision, that was the big topic for the Galatians, was that uh, the Jewish leaders said the Gentile Christians have to get circumcised in order to truly be part of the family of God. That's where much of this division is coming from. But you can't just pick one thing out of the law. Because the law itself, that verse in Deuteronomy says, if you're going to pull something out of the law to try and justify yourself, you have to use all of the law. You have to be under all of it. The whole thing. Not just pick and choose the parts you want to be under. <laughs> and so if you've been studying this book with us, if you've been in Galatians with us, and what we've been doing, uh, what we did in the fall, what I want us to get back into the rhythm of doing is that Galatians is, is six chapters long. And so what we're doing as a, as a church is that every day we read one chapter of Galatians. And so Mondays we're reading chapter 1, Tuesdays we're reading chapter 2, Wednesdays we're reading chapter 3, so on and so forth. And we're doing that, A, to get us in the Word, because God's Word is good, it brings life and joy uh, and direction to us, but also it gets us familiar with this book that we've been walking through. And so I hope that you've been doing that, I hope that it's something that, uh, if you're looking for something to study, if you're looking for something that, like, I don't know where to go, I want to read my Bible, but I don't know what to do, here's an easy way to do it. Every day, one chapter of Galatians. Each one of them uh, is like three. I think the longest chapter is like four minutes, even if you do an audio watch. It's like four minutes and 22 seconds or something like that. If you've been studying this book with us and reading through it, 
then much, much of what Paul is saying here in this chapter, in this early chapter 5, it should sound a little repetitive. Because Paul has been repeating these points over and over again. This, this message uh, is that the Jewish leader said, if you want to be a child of God, you need Jesus plus circumcision. And really what they're saying is you need Jesus plus all of the law. You need to become a Jew, is what they would say. Now for us today, that's not the argument we would For us today, we would say, some churches would say, some Christians would say, you need Jesus plus church attendance. You need Jesus plus your engagement in small groups. You need Jesus plus dressing a certain way. You need Jesus plus voting a certain way. You need Jesus plus leading your family a certain way, plus spending your time a certain way. We, we add on these little cultural ways to include, to show, to prove that you're actually a Christian. But in actuality, if someone actually lived that way, if someone actually said, okay, I'm going to do Jesus plus insert whatever it is, Believing that their adherence to this man-made law would justify them before God, they are in fact revealing that they're not actually children of God. That's why he says if you take on this idea of circumcision, this idea that circumcision can save you, that your works, your abilities, your your work at it can save you, then Christ is of no advantage to you. If you're choosing to value your own abilities and works and skills on the same level as the perfect life, painful death, and powerful resurrection of Jesus Christ, you are in actuality elevating yourself above Jesus. You are making yourself your own God, and therefore your faith isn't actually in Jesus or the cross, it's in you. So it doesn't matter what Jesus did at the cross, because your faith isn't actually in him. He and his work, what Christ did in dying on the cross and rising again, defeating sin and death and hell and the grave, that doesn't, it's of no advantage to you, Paul says. He says you're severed from Christ in verse 4. You've fallen from grace. I think this is part of why Paul is so flabbergasted over and over again. He says you're severed from Christ, you've fallen from grace. Because it's this ridiculous choice that they are making. To trade grace for works is short-sighted, it is ignorant and absurd. When we put ourselves under the law, every slip-up, Every failure, every misstep, it is damning. But grace, grace acknowledges. Grace acknowledges that you will fail. That you will fall short. That you will continue to fall short. But grace covers your sin. Grace saves you. Grace welcomes you into the family of God, failures and all. It's a resting comfort that offers us acceptance. Whereas the law condemns and critiques and exhausts you at every turn, grace says, come and find rest. Tim Keller says the gospel is this, that we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared believe. That's grace. That's the difference between works and trying to work and put yourself under the law, put yourself under this idea that I have to check all of these boxes versus put yourself under the grace that Christ is offering. Now, as Paul's saying here, if you, if you read these verses and you read verse 4, this, you are separate from Christ, you who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from Christ, grace. If you have a bit of a church background, you might hear those words and say, is Paul talking about losing our salvation? 
simple saying that because I'm putting myself, I'm, I'm going to put myself under the law that I, I'm no longer saved, I'm no longer a Christian. That if we try to pursue our ability to save ourselves, we remove the grace of forgiveness we have in Christ. Is that what Paul is getting at here? It's a very big question to ask, but what I'd say is if you look in the Bible and you, and you study and you ask you look in the Bible, the Bible is never going to ask the question, can you lose your salvation? But rather, the Bible will continuously ask you, are you actually saved? 1 John 2, 18 and 19 says, children, it is the last hour and you have heard the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are all not of us. If you are truly converted, truly saved, truly united to Christ, in Christ, whatever phrasing you want to use, you have put your faith in the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the forgiveness of your sins, that and that alone. What John would say, what the Bible would say, is that you persevere to the end. If you're not actually a Christian, you don't persevere. At some point, you break away. And I think this is a timely word for us today in the midst of this world because for those who have been in the church for a long time, myself included, I, we've heard and read these passages and verses about persevering, right? Refiner's fire, enduring in your faith. And for most of us, I think, at least for myself, they didn't really at home all that hard. Right? Persevering, persevering in our faith in America in the 21st century it, it doesn't take a lot of struggle there. There's not a whole lot of persecution happening. But if we look at even just the last decade or the last couple of years and see how many people have walked away from the church, how many people have decided that they're post-evangelical or ex-evangelical, how many pastors and leaders have declared that they're no longer a Christian, and that's just the people that like have a platform and have a, have a microphone. I know personally, I know plenty of people, too many people, who have walked or are walking away from the faith that they once held to. And that's due to any number of different circumstances. And as long as the Lord gives another day, those people have time to come back, right? It's the story of the prodigal son. You leave, but at some point, there, there's time. Our God is patient. We're going to take communion now. Uh, there should be a communion cup on your seat. If it's not on your seat, check, that out. check the back pocket of your chair. Um, if, you have, uh, if you have put your faith life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Whether or not this is your home church, whether or not this is the first time you've been here, uh, we invite you to take communion with us. We take communion every week at CF because every week uh, we all live in a world that is broken and hard and exhausting. And every week we have this opportunity to have this little bit of bread, this little bit of juice, this, this reminder, this gift to us of what Christ came to do and what God sent Christ to do. Bread represents Jesus' body, which was actually physically, historically broken for us. He actually died on that cross in our place for our sins. He suffered for us. And it was motivated by love. It was motivated by God's love for us so that we might have a new life. So let's take me together and remember God's love. represents Jesus' blood that was spilled for us.
that night when he was going to be betrayed, he takes the cup of wine and tells the disciples, this is the blood of a new and everlasting covenant. Not a contract. Not an obligation. A covenant. A covenant says, God says, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to give you a new life. I'm going to give you a new relationship with me. I'm going to give you the righteousness of Jesus. Believe. Trust. Accept what I'm offering. And Jesus goes to the cross and in his death and in his resurrection, he makes a way for us to have a right relationship with God. Not based on our works, not based on how impressive we think we are, but on the, whole, the holy and perfect righteousness of Jesus. So we take and we drink and we remember that God loved us so much he gave his son to die for us. Let's drink together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending Jesus to die for us. That though sin entered the world, it did not overwhelm you or <clears throat> stop you. You had a plan. And that though throughout history at times that plan looked like it was in jeopardy, it never was, because you are in control of all things at all times. Jesus, we thank you for humbly submitting to the will of the Father. That even as you knelt in that garden, asking for any other way, you knew there was no other way. You submitted to knowing and realizing that you were going to that cross. And for the joy that was set before you, you endured that cross. And that joy was us salvation of people was the opportunity for all people to have a right relationship with God to be saved from their sins, to be saved from their righteousness, their self-righteousness to be saved from themselves Holy Spirit we thank you for raising Jesus from the dead, for declaring his power over life and death and sin Holy Spirit you well, each one of us who has put their faith in Christ, help us to listen to you better. To be quiet enough to hear you speak and to be bold enough to take steps when you tell us to. To trust in your leading in our lives. God, as we go into the world with this little bit of bread, this little bit of juice, nourish our very souls so that we might go and be those lights you made us to be. We thank you and praise you. Amen. We're going to continue in our service now. Let's have the band come on up. Um, if you're a guest with us this morning, I'd love for you to take a few minutes. You've got a connect card on your chair. If you want to fill that out, put our contact info you feel comfortable filling out. We'd love to follow up with you and just thank you for, for coming. Um, if you would like to give an offering this morning, we have an offering plate for the back. Uh, you can get it before you leave. If you're not ready to give this morning, you can do so online, churchandrosterbillage.org slash give. There's all kinds of information on the website as well about us. Um, please stand as uh, we continue to sing.
Jesus' name.